Totally Football Show. Today, big goals, tick. Crazy dummies, tick. Dreams about what the end of May may bring, tick. Yep, the Tory party conference, but also the midweek Champions League action, which similarly ended with England in crisis in Europe. Never mind, there was so much to enjoy besides that. We'll be rounding up all the delights, the Rakitic volleys, the Real Madrid losings, plus asking the big questions like, is Mo Salah what someone threw at Steve Bruce? And we'll be looking ahead, of course, to those weekend games on the Totally Football Show. Woohoo! Listener, in the pod alongside me and you, we've got James Horncastle, fresh from double duty on the BT Sport Goal Show. Indeed, James. Also joining us today, Lindsay Hooper. Yes, I feel like in Theresa May fashion, I should have danced into the studio. But you are wearing blue. I am. I am. Uh, yeah. That's the only thing we have in common. <laughs> <laughs> right, Lindsay, of course, uh, just. Uh, dropped a new season of the Offside Rule podcast with yeah. a very special guest. We have. We've launched the new series with Jermaine Defoe and he was brilliant talking about all things England, all things management in terms of uh, what he's going to do next. Um, and he even opened up about those accusations of being a love rat earlier oh. on in his career. Really? Yeah. What did he say about them? He was saying that he chose the wrong girls. <laughs> right. Okay. Sometimes happens. I am Pat down- Nevin. downloading here. that as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. Pat Nevin, how's your luck been with girls? Uh, 27 years. <laughs> the same girls, so I'm going to happy. Brilliant. All right, you well, said you, plural you then. That. You said girls. <laughs> uh, with my daughter as well. Oh, okay. No, nice. <laughs> you were in Germany this week, though, to see Hoffenheim Man City. James, you were in the goal show control room. Mm. Lindsay, you were at San Siro, is that right? I was. So I was previewing uh, the Europa League match for Milan and Olympiacos. Right. So first time that I've actually been stood outside the San Siro and I've seen seen it obviously in all its glory and lots of television uh, montages. But wow, isn't it an imposing stadium? (laughs) It was much bigger than I even thought it would be. Um, Big lump of concrete, nice roof, very imposing. Right. Of course, the place we should all have been, it turns out, is Wembley for Wednesday's Messi Masterclass. Barcelona returning to winning ways all over Spurs. One man who was there and joins us now for a bit of ooing and ahhing is Daniel Story. Daniel, was what you saw yesterday one of the greatest performances you've ever witnessed? It's a strange one in that it was a brilliant performance, but it, it's almost standard with Messi now. It was, oh, he scored twice. He set up a goal. He played a pivotal part in another goal. He ran the show when Barcelona was struggling. This is kind of what he does now. There's kind of doubts about Ernesto Valverde as a coach in Barcelona and his answer seems to be, and it's a pretty logical one, look for Lionel Messi whenever we have the ball. And that's what they did last night and, and it worked. We were busy doing the goal show, so we weren't able to follow the, the match minute by minute. But w- when I came back home, just the reaction to Messi's performance, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. What was it that made this game stand out? Uh, I think it's, it's probably the fact that the Barcelona are clearly in some strife defensively at the moment. They are, they have the ninth best defence in La Liga, which is particularly unusual. And, and we saw last night in the second half that you can get at them. Um, it's the way I think now in the kind of twilight of his career, he seems to be so determined to, to lead Barcelona and to win the Champions League one more time. He, you know, there are plenty, there are millions of people on the internet that will tell you that, that Ronaldo has five Champions League titles to Messi's four and it's pretty obvious that he would like to sign out of Barcelona with another. Nice. Were you there working, Daniel? I was, yes. Uh, Old Trafford Tuesday, uh, Wembley Wednesday. Were there moments when you just 
put down your laptop and gazed, rubbing your knees vigorously? Not at Old Trafford, I imagine. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that, uh, that, as you mentioned, there's a huge reaction last night to performance, and probably is slightly over the top. But I think it reflects the the sense that we are witnessing the kind of final months of of Messi, and we won't get many more of these chances to see him in England and and see his magic. So there are times when you do just want to and put down the laptop and just watch and watch and watch. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Pat, perspective on this win for Barcelona. They hadn't won in three matches, but it was more than two years since any player for Barca, apart from Messi, had scored an away goal from them. Um, yeah, and it was a stunning performance. I, th- I think maybe it would have been an idea um, for Tottenham maybe to mark Messi at some point, you know, maybe get somebody to stand quite near him now and again. Or two. Yeah, well, possibly. Yeah, just yeah. the idea of not leaving a massive big gap there where in the centre of the park where he tends to hang about. If, so you, was, if you do try and mark him, though, don't you just risk getting humiliated? Uh, yeah, but it's probably still best to try and mark him. Yeah, <laughs> I was furious when he was asked that in the press conference. I said furious. He was a little bit narked because he was like, well, what did Messi do in the first 45 minutes? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he, he was involved, obviously, in the first goal, quite quite obviously but uh, it was like aside from that we'd limited his influence and it was only when they they, they really had to chase the game going 2-0 down that obviously was more space for Messi and he completely well you see you see more space so you watch there's certain players now there's only a limited number of them they watch a game hmm. they're, not, they're part of the spectators for the first 15 20 25 minutes seeing where the space is seeing where the weakness is and there's not that many of them around, but he's one of them. Yeah. So he's looking at Spurs saying, right, what they're doing, what they're doing, what they're... OK, there's no cover there. I'll arrive there. Yeah. The Where's Hugo Lloris? <laughs> <laughs> Where was Hugo Lloris? Barely 60 seconds into this game. And uh, Coutinho exploiting an extraordinary bit of uh, decision-making from, from a Spurs keeper who's in- increasingly prone to these, uh, these, these lapses. Yeah, I feel for him because obviously he is a quality goalkeeper, but you can tell when a player's confidence is on the floor, can't you? And there's obviously things going on outside of football that he's had to deal with. And he probably wanted to make an impression, but not that one. Can I, I, I was trying to ask myself the question once when I'd watched it. Do you know why keeper runs out? You kind of know why he does it most of the time. Mm. You know, you, there's a good reason for it. It doesn't quite get there. or There was no reason whatsoever for him to run out in that first one. And by the way, he done it again. And you talk mm. about watching. I do wonder whether a bit of time out of football and you're watching Alisson, Edison, a lot of the keepers playing out from the back. And I wonder if that's having an influence on other goalkeepers mm. uh, across Europe, whether they're thinking we need to do more of that, even if it's not really in your locker, a.k.a. Petr Cech. You know, we've seen that quite a bit. And I wonder if he's slightly influenced by what's going on in, in football at the moment. Possibly so, because he, he was... Probably blameless was he in the second Barcelona goal, given the the magnificence of that strike from a Rakitic. Dan, it's pronounced Weiner, says the Dutch commentary on the Rakitic goal is bananas and incredible. All right, let's have a listen. <laughs> we having this. Do you know what the giveaway is, James? <laughs> What's that? Dutch. Right. He's in Amsterdam. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, but come is, on, that makes that sense. That is game changing. I mean, uh, <laughs> Lindsay, you're talking about keepers watching Alisson, thinking I've got to up my game. Every commentator surely must take that <laughs> and think we have to, we have to move up a gear or three. All right, uh, need to work on sound effects. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I know you're a big fan of the Rakitic folly. Oh, I could coo over that all podcast. To be honest, um, I think twenty out of twenty players on that pitch could not score that goal because that is the technique that was needed. It would just skyrocket into Rose Ed. But there's probably Messi and him who can do it. But I, I watch it over and over. I think the first time you see it, it's uh, the best goals are the ones that when you watch the replay, it gets better and better and better. Mm. And that is what happens with this one. A couple of other examples I would say of that this this week. Um, yeah. The fourth PSG goal was amazing. The Dybala uh, goal for... Uh, was it his second No, it's his first. His first goal, yeah. right. Okay, and Pat, you're nodding. Can, can I give you two other ones? Right. Uh, was it Pavard, the goal for France? Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Which, oh, yeah. Got, which was similar in angle position of the body. But you, when you talk about these players, you actually have to go right to the top of the tree and look for the, the very best. And John McGinn at Aston Villa. Oh, wow, year. that was brilliant. But we've we've just mentioned four goals mm. in a week that all surpass the FIFA best goal of Mo Salah yeah. from last year. Oh, yes. Yeah, true. Very curious, very curious. And the Spurs did battle back. They did. I think um, they actually put up a good fight in the second half. And, um, yeah, I think... Uh, Again, Pochettino was saying, look, if Lucas Moura um, scores that chance, which would, be, would have made it, uh, was it 4-3, um, then they had every chance of maybe getting back into it. Everyone would be writing in the press that they'd be heroes and he was a great manager. Um, so, you know, I think there are some things to be encouraged by. Their game plan just unfortunately went out of the window from that mistake. Uh, in the opening minute, right. and they had to take they had to take risks from then on, from and then it, onwards. Depleted Spurs side as well. I guess a lot of Spurs supporters will be wondering: maybe we should have bought players in the summer. Maybe we should have added a bit and more depth maybe, to the squad. You know, they should have finished their new stadium, and they weren't playing on a sort of bad pitch that was mm. you know destroyed by an Anthony Joshua fight. Um, or, or maybe there was nothing they could do against the fifth best player in the world. Well, and again, that's what Poch was saying afterwards. Okay, people point out that if we had Deli Ali um, uh, and Ericsson in the side, it might have been different. But you know, even if you've got a full strength side, if you come up against Lionel Messi when he's on it, it doesn't really matter. The result will probably be the same. The one thing I am surprised by. Um, because Poch has backed him for some time, and I must admit I had a slight raised eyebrow over him for a couple of seasons, is the form of Eric Lamella this season. I think he's really starting to show why Poch has backed him and maybe proving a few people wrong, because he wasn't a player that I particularly thought was, was going to ever light up European football or the Premier League for that matter. But I think he's starting to have a, a, a lot more of a pivotal role in that Spurs side. And I thought he played well. I thought Kane, the way that he finished, uh, that's the sort of goal that we want to see Kane scoring, isn't it, this season? Because confidence, yes, score a few penalties. I mean, we know that he's a brilliant penalty taker, but I thought the way that he he just dominated in the Barcelona box to be able to score that was, was brilliant. I think we also should keep our, kind of, our heads a wee bit clearer about it just now. Remember last season, round about this time, Tottenham Hotspur played against Real Madrid at the Wembley Stadium. Mm. Hammered them and we thought, oh, that's Real Madrid gone now. No, they're not going to do anything. Well, they did okay in that competition in the end last season. It's, it's a, one That's Pat Neving backing Spurs to win the Champions League. <laughs> it's a fair point, Pat. At the moment, uh, they do find themselves at the bottom of the table with two teams on maximum six points, mm. Barcelona and Inter, who came up with a very fine comeback win away at PSV Eindhoven. So five teams on 
on perfect starts, basically, in the competition. Barcelona and Inter, also Juventus, also Dortmund, with uh, Jaden Sancho once again contributing a fine assist. And, and let's go Madrid, who did Bruges, to no one's very great surprise. Other Champions League stories included PSG bouncing back from their Anfield defeat by mauling Red Star 6-1. Neymar with a hat-trick there. Pat, I know you're doing PSG at the weekend. We'll hear your thoughts perhaps on them a little bit later on. Uh, The surprise defeats, Liverpool and Real Madrid away at CSK in Moscow. Bayern only drawing. A long way to go, as you say, Pat. James, though, interesting that uh, Italian side's got four wins out of four Mm -hmm. and will now move past Premier League sides in the UEFA European rankings. Yeah, I mean, look, it was, as you mentioned, the first time that Italian sides have all won on the same match day um, in a long, long time. One of the reasons for that is because they haven't had four teams in the uh, in the Champions League for a long, long time. But um, I don't think anyone was really expecting um, them uh, Napoli to beat Liverpool in uh, and, and play in the manner that they did. Um, I know when that was put to Klopp, he kind of raised his eyebrows and was like, come on, this is actually a very difficult place to go. They've got Carlo Ancelotti on, on, on the sidelines. So what happened in, in Naples and what was the, the Ancelotti master plan? Well, Ancelotti, who has been playing 4-4-2 all season, changes it up and plays 3-5-2. And I don't think that was the game that Liverpool had prepared for. Why and, does that put them in difficulty? Well, I mean, Napoli uh, were always outnumbering on, on the flanks. Um, so the front three were never really getting the service that we're so used to them seeing. Uh, Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold were not able to get forward. And because of this change in system that I don't think Liverpool were expecting... The timing of their pressing um, was always off, and uh, and they were they were doing what Liverpool so often do, which was trying to get into the faces of their opponents, but they were never getting the ball, and that sapped their energy. And in the second half, they were they were poor. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, Napoli we, had chance after chance before uh, Lorenzo Insigne put it away. Exactly, and as Klopp said, it's never a good sign when your goalkeeper mm. is is your man of the match. Very, um, very sporting uh, from Klopp after the game, it, it, in contrast to his last visit to the San mm, Paolo. Yeah, I suppose, I mean, yeah, exactly. When uh, he was sent off and instead of uh, sitting in the stands, went and, and watched the game with a janitor who uh, he was reunited with before mm. the game and gave him a Liverpool shirt, which but was a uh, nice discuss, touch from to Klopp. Discuss sweeper systems. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Um, yeah, I, I suppose you can maybe put it into the context of it's been a pretty attritional period for Liverpool, um, you know, with the, the two games against Chelsea, um, game against City coming up. Uh, they lost Naby Keita quite early in this mm. game. Um, he went to hospital with a back injury. I right, think. there were some suggestions of a cardiac test for him, but it was back, was it? Well, I mean, go- going off what Klopp was saying uh, in the press conference last night, he seemed to say it was a it was a back problem. Um you know, I, I saw that as well, um, but it seems that he's been cleared to travel home with the team. Um, so I think it was, if it was perhaps more serious, he'd still be there. Right. How big a result was this for the people of Naples? <laughs> well, they were saying this was one of the finest nights that they've ever had. Um, and yeah, let's not forget that even when Diego Maradona was, was at, uh, at Napoli, um, when they were in the European Cup and it was there were no group stages, it was just knockout rounds. They went out in the first round to, mm. to Real Madrid. So nights like this are are, are brilliant for, for Napoli and uh, it really puts them uh, back in it, in a, in a group of death after, what, yeah, three weeks ago, they disappointingly drew against Red Star Belgrade, um, which I think, again, um, was one of the reasons why I personally expected Liverpool 
um, to go there and have a real chance of coming away with the three points. Liverpool looked so good in their opening match. Napoli had only had, I think, two wins in their last nine Champions League mm. appearances for all the praise they received for their style of play. Uh, Pat, Liverpool then, it's not long ago that they literally couldn't stop winning and now they, they can stop winning. What, yes. What's happened? Well, oddly, if you look back to last season, Liverpool were brilliant, right? Absolutely brilliant. They're a joy to watch and you could almost argue with the best team to watch in Europe. Um, you'd say Manchester, say one or two others, but you could make that argument. Everyone was playing pretty close to the top of the game, including Mo Salah as well. And technically, people hadn't quite figured them out either. Right, so next season, let's see if it gets better. Everyone expected to get better. You've added, as you mentioned, Keita, you know, you've, they've got a little bit more time. They should be that bit better. There's no reason why everybody should still be in the absolute best form. And Salah has dipped a little bit of form. Uh, there's no, no shadow of a doubt about that, but I'm sure he'll get it back. And I look through that team and they're right, right at the top of the Premier League. I think they're playing OK right. this season. I don't think they're playing brilliantly this yeah. season. They're playing OK. And down at Chelsea uh, last week, it was interesting. Cause I think Chelsea were scared to death before that game. And then 10 minutes in, they thought, actually, this isn't the Liverpool last season playing at that level, at that intensity. So there's a drop in intensity, and I don't blame them. Do you know what one of the differences, I think, is between last season and the sort of football they were playing and this season is depth in squad. And I wonder what effect that has had on Liverpool. So get more now. Yeah, this is what I'm saying, is last season they knew their starting eleven, And what brings that, I'm talking as a Wolves fan, where we've had the same starting eleven in the Premier League for seven matches in a row, and that brings some consistency, security. Now everyone was was crying for the fact that you know, with a bit of depth, with with the options on the bench, this is going to make Liverpool a world beater. But what I would say is that it also presents some problems because when you've got Cater and Henderson fighting, you've got Milner who's suddenly playing out of his skin and and shocking you as, as to being a, a starter. What does that create within the squad? It creates a little bit of uncertainty. And I wonder if that is an element in this as to why they perhaps performed better last season on the eye. I can see the argument. Um, I think Melner's been very, very good for quite a while. And I I think because of his personality within that group, uh, that's not a problem. He wouldn't be a problem there. Um, I just think if it's been a World Cup year, and after it you're expecting everybody to be that lively, that sharp, that fit, on that sort of form... It's just really not going to happen. And I thought this dip would happen maybe halfway through last season. And I just applauded them for keeping on going all the way through that season. It was going to happen at some point. The question is how they get out of it. I'm perfectly comfortable with yeah. well. Okay. I mean, the World Cup year and in between the September and October international breaks, you've got what, seven games in 21 yeah. days. Mm-hmm. I mean... It's it's pretty hard to stay fresh for those games. Liverpool, though, failing to muster a single shot on target. In, a cha- in this Champions League game midweek. Uh, will they fare better then when their next fixture rolls around Sunday at 4.30? They are at home to Manchester City, a club who they kind of had the number of last year in the Champions League. Two victories there. They lost at City in the game when Manny got sent off for the flying boot on Edison. They beat them in the equivalent fixture 3-0. So they've, they've got a good record against uh, City. You, you saw City on Tuesday yeah. night away at, at Hoffenheim. Yeah, and it was great to see Manchester City uh, against a different type of opponent. You're too busy watching Manchester Manchester City playing against teams that don't even give an, half an effort to attack in the Premier League. And I, I, I just get angry with it. And I know a, a number of ex-players feel the same as I do. And of course they'll make the argument, oh, we're not naive, we're not going to attack City, they'll take six off us. 
don't throw in the towel. It's absolutely pathetic. So Hoffenheim didn't. They went at them. They had a record go at them. And all but for three minutes, probably would argue they deserve to get a point out of that game. So I would expect that Manchester City are going to get a team that attacks them this time. And they're not used to that. So they'll need to adapt it as well. Um, I still think Man City are probably favourites at, at this point in time. To get the win at Anfield. Yeah, to get the win at Anfield. But it, by no means a certainty because... Once again, Man City, they were pretty good at Hoffenheim, but they were nowhere near utterly dominant force that they've been. Two out-of-form teams then clashing and what will that be a disappointing <laughs> clash, 4.30 at Anfield on Sunday. <laughs> uh, we've got much more to climb fighting cabbages and all that kind of thing on the way after this. He lines up to hit it and yes, it's deflected for a corner. That's over 12 corners. Yes. <clears throat> no time to take it though. It's finished nil-nil. What a result. Sorry, our fault. You see, with same game multi-bets from Paddy Power, you can combine multiple selections from one match into one bet and you'll get money back as a free bet if one leg of your four-fold same game multi-bet lets you down. Paddy Power, enough of the nonsense. Applies to pre-match four-fold same game multi-bets on UK and top European leagues. Max free bet £10 per customer per day. Minimum odds. Exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Round up the other Champions League news. Three points for Inter away at PSV. Possibly the greatest moment of the night there, though, coming from Politano. <laughs> James Horncastle. Yeah, they were throwing beer um, at uh, the Inter players when they were down at the PSV end, and he managed to catch a uh, plastic uh, glass of beer. Yeah. And, uh, with, and the right still, with half, still with half kind of a pint in it. Amazing, magnificent. Amazing. He then did toss it away rather than down it. That would yeah. have been that would have been the best. Sort of thing. Was that better, or was the Di Maria goal uh, better for oh. PSG? That was extraordinary. Did you, did you see that, Pat Lindsay? Mm-hmm. Outside of the boot from Munier, outside of the boot from Di Maria, Bosch. Yeah, that was as impressive uh, for me the uh, the assist uh, than the actual finish. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, probably one of those kind of goals that gets lost in uh, and. Probably Neymar would like it this way, lost in you know the uh, in his own performance. But uh, yeah, Tuchel really kind of uh, regenerating uh, Di Maria, who looked like he might have been on the way out in the summer. Another kind of disappointing spell at another club, and instead looks like he's an integral part of um, Tuchel's plans for this team this season. All right, Sancho, Jaden Sancho started for uh, Tuchel's old side, Borussia Dortmund, as they beat Monaco three 0 Bayern, meanwhile continued their rotten run of form by only drawing with Ajax. That's three games without a win now. Uh, Real Madrid lost at CSK in Moscow. They haven't scored now in more than five hours. They had all sorts of players out, uh, injured and suspended. Bale, Isco, Marcelo and Ramos. And they gifted uh, the Russians the opener. Tony Cruz doing one of those wonderful, I'll just pass it back to, oh, look, there's a an oncoming forward. Uh, one of those. Anyway, and, and Akin Fief kept a rare clean sheet, but, yeah. oh... 97th minute. Oh, yeah, what did he say? Does it? Does anybody explain what he said to earn two straight yellows? Unfortunately, I don't speak Russian, Jimbo. Um, but we've, we've got Sash in, says Ben on oh, Monday. Excellent. So we'll, we'll ask him. In that same group, uh, Edin Dzeko getting a hat-trick in Roma's 5-0 win over Pilsen. Real Madrid, of course, don't have the man who was there. Champions League goal machine for the past six seasons, Cristiano Ronaldo. He wasn't playing for his new side either as Juve breezed past young boys with a Paolo Dybala hat-trick, the first of which we mentioned is a glorious volley. If you haven't seen it, do make that a priority. Mm-hmm. 
In other CR7 news, of course, the Las Vegas police have reopened a rape investigations after allegations about an incident involving the Portuguese star. And nine years ago, he maintains his innocence. Arjit Ghosh says, now that every team has played home and away once, can the panel name their four Champions League semi-finalists? Pat, do you want to kick this off? Ooh, that's hard. Um, I would still stay with Manchester City because De Bruyne will be back. So I'm going to throw them in there. Uh-huh. Um, I'm hopeful, and it's just purely with the hope that Barca will get there as well. So I'm kind of delighted. I'm really happy to say that, comfortable saying uh-huh. that. I just don't know about Real Madrid this time. I'm really not sure this time. Three time champions, or three in a row. Yeah, but yeah. Ronaldo's quite good. <laughs> yeah. kind of missing him. And I wouldn't be surprised if Juve actually get there. I'm just doing this off the top of my Juve head. Juve in then, shall yeah. I? Juve. Yeah. I've got three out of three there with you. Yeah. So, so you Man City, those... Juventus, Barcelona, yeah. Who's the fourth team, That's do you think? I think, I think Atletico, actually. It's going to yeah. be someone a little. Out of out of the left field, but I think right. it, it's probably going to be have, Atletico. They have been to two finals in the last four seasons. Yes, so. but I don't think people are talking about them this season right. at the moment. And I think a lot of people expect Borussia Atletico to suddenly drop off, even though they've got great records in the Champions League, but I just don't think they will. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going to go with Liverpool, Juventus. I agree with Lindsay about Atletico. Um, and PSG. No Barca. No Barca. And PSG, the most famous flat track bullies there is out there. <laughs> it's are. time, Pat. It's time. I can, I can hope it is. Julian Laurence has currently got a gun to my head. So, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, but that Liverpool game was upsetting. Right. You know, a lack of effort. N- none of, none of uh, you have mentioned Man United, who will be facing Juventus next in the Champions League. I think League they might make the final of the Europa League. That'll be their second final in three years. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Uh, as I say, their next game sees them take on Juventus in the Champions League. Who knows what or who the old lady will find at Old Trafford for that fixture. And of course, before that, there's uh, in one of two massive games in the Northwest this weekend, they host Newcastle. Ooh, this could get interesting after the spell of results they've had, the spell of stories that have been building around this club. It's almost been brushed aside, Pat after what happened to Spurs and, and Liverpool. But that nil-nil draw with Valencia on Tuesday, where, where does that leave the whole teetering on the brink situation? In a horrible position. Um, apart from the results, where they are in the league, uh, it's not looking great. Champions League, not many people are suggesting they're going to do particularly well in it. Would Rafa love to be the guy who put the final knife in the back of Jose? I, I think he would like that to be the case. What is kind of saddening now is just a season when you watch, you know, Jurgen and you watch Pep and you watch now Sari as well, and the kind of the joyous, happy football attitude they've got, the beautiful way that they're trying to play the game, the open way, and they look like modern kind of you know lively young animals as opposed to dinosaurs, you know, clumping about in this old-fashioned kind of get big six foot three inch guys in the midfield there and play it strong and well, that's because they don't have the technical quality to play better football Mu explained that me, after Pat P- Pogba yeah you tell me he's not got technical ability I think Sanchez has got plenty of technical ability as well but he's that's not the way that he plays you know it's not and he's not got players in that can play that sort of way so that's his way it's I think James makes a brilliant point Europa League perfect right. Champions League I don't think it's that level. Not so much. James, you saw the game against Valencia. 
I can't unsee it now either. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I mean, some of the adjectives I've seen thrown around. Lindsay, I don't know if you you caught this as well or whether you were sansearing it. Um, Sluggish, static, predictable. Mm. I think whenever they got into the final third and they did have um, their opportunities, they seemed to lack confidence. Um, They were very tentative, took too many touches. It all seemed to be very off the cuff. Uh, there's very kind of little kind of coordination as to what you might do when you get into the to the final third. Um, and again, sort of Mourinho asked about that afterwards, quite a telling comment you know, where he just says, after basically telling Paul Scholes he's got freedom of speech and the United fans have got freedom of speech for, sh- for shouting attack, 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 he, um, he obviously can't say what he wants because he says things that are difficult for me to say at the moment, and if I say it, it's not good for me, and even yourself would be getting another reason to criticise me, I think you have enough already. Oh. So clearly he doesn't either think that the players that he is, has got have got quality, and he clearly thinks they're lacking confidence for one reason or another. Oh. Um, he obviously came out as well and spoke about how certain players... I mean, he, he created that division again, didn't he, by saying that there is effort on some parts and not as much effort on others. And we've all got fixated on this Pogba-Mourinho relationship. But amongst that, there are others. And the fact that, you know, he's been stripped of the vice-captain, but then your captain, Antonio Valencia, is liking an Instagram post saying about getting rid of Mourinho, comes out and says, actually, I didn't know what I was liking. I hadn't read what was underneath it. It feels like a lot of people want him to take the iron fist everyone apart from Mourinho it feels like people thought that he would maybe handle this a bit harder mm. take a harder line um and so from that point of view I, I don't really understand I mean Pat who worked with Mourinho a long time at Chelsea you know him better mm. would you have expected him to do that at Chelsea I I, I feel like the Mourinho of old yeah. would have handled this a lot differently well, and that's not the only change remember when he was at Chelsea how they would never lose a game at home mm-hmm. now they can't get a win at Old Trafford it's it's four matches without a victory there um 19 million people roughly, have been born since Man United last won at home. That's more or less the population of Malawi. Duncan Alexander putting things into perspective there on Tuesday night. Yeah, and that's never happened to Mourinho. He's never gone four games at home uh, without a win. And, yeah, again, one of the other lines from his press conference afterwards, which really stood out to me, was like, when last season we finished second and runners-up in the FA Cup and won our group in the Champions League, and I was telling everyone that it was a fantastic season, I knew why I was telling you that. So, I mean, he clearly felt feels he overachieved with everything that he had last season and was keeping it together. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a massive achievement. Right, right. OK, so are Newcastle capable, especially after they've been t- taken out to dinner by Mike Ashley uh, in a morale-boosting move during the week, are they capable of continuing this series of woes for the home fans at Old Trafford. But also they have this talk of a takeover, don't they? So Peter Kenyon possibly coming in with that. Uh, It might have that effect. I could see Newcastle getting something from this game. I don't think they're going to get a win, but they probably could go there and get a draw. And that could be the final nail in the coffin. However, you know, the club time and time again are coming out backing Mourinho at the moment so past January everyone in our office is like do you think that he'll be there in in January I really can't call it because can he, can he make it even to the Chelsea game which is coming up in a couple of weeks what do you think? and the Manchester Derby and can he Manchester make it Derby. to the Manchester it's, Derby it, it, they are every one of them there's a possibility of being painful and you know almost a final nail for him and I don't really know the thing is maybe the Newcastle ones come at a good time for Manchester United when they disappoint things and Rafa I don't often say this because I'm such a fan of Rafa uh, this season um, 
he's not really a gone at teams. I was at the game yeah. they played against Chelsea and they just sat back and they sucked it up and then when they lost the goal late on, they decided to have a go and scored. Mm. And he's been a little bit too negative for me mm. this season. It's been I mean, a this bit could be the most negative teams. game <laughs> in terms of how both teams set up. I think the risk for Mourinho, you mentioned the Chelsea game. Maurizio Sarri and Chelsea will show United everything that what they should be the kind of style of football that they should be playing and they expect to be playing. And I think that could be more problematic for Mourinho than whatever happens this weekend. Hey, speaking of outfits in Manchester, uh, we've got a live show coming up on Friday evening at the Royal Northern College of Music with Daniel Storey, Rory Smith and James Horncastle. Manchesterpodcastfestival.com for the last few tickets and a reminder that we'll be giving away £150 worth of credit with classicfootballshirts.co.uk. That's fantastic. Ryan Clarkin tweeting in saying, does tomorrow's Manchester show start at 8 o'clock or 8 (laughs) o'clock? Maybe James will know. It's cheeky, Ryan. That's after this on on BT Sport this Wednesday. The the goals at the Parc des Princes. Uh, this evening we've got a fabulous selection of games coming up uh, in the eight o'clock uh, eight o'clock slot. Oh dear! Yeah, that was me. With a slight slip of the tongue. On it's the a mouthful. Easily done. Yeah, nicely, nicely put. Uh, Pat, what was the favourite kit you played in? <sighs> favourite kit? A very, very early Chelsea kit. Really? For a number of reasons. Um, Let's not even talk about the shots. Let's not go there. They were just far too tight and small in those days. Mm. However, there was a kind of skin-tight one that was blue with little stripes. But most importantly, above everything else, it had no name on the front. Okay. It was uh, just a shirt. That was before yeah. Yeah. all the clubs had had got... You know, Our first one was Gulf Air. But the idea of not walking about with an advertisement... You will see me today. There is no advertisements or advertisements no on anything that I ever, ever wear. Off-brand, so right. I've, I've never, ever liked that. So playing with one without it was grand. Excellent. Nice one. Well, I'm not sure if they have that, but you can spend £150 on whatever you want with classicfootballshirts.co.uk. If you come along, if you can't make it to the Manchester show on Friday and are looking for something else to do, James, mm-hmm. there's uh, a new show starting on Channel 5. Oh, is there? Yeah, let, oh. what's it called? The Great Model Railway Challenge. That sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Channel 5, 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock, yeah. Ryan. And it's going on until when, Jimbo? This is quite a long-running series. Well, now. I think it's six... I put it on series link. Have you put it on series I link? I have, yeah. Right. Maybe you should do the same, listener. You can always cancel if you don't like it. But give it a shot. Why not? Anyway, now, back to the Premier League. Ta-da. Uh, do you remember what happened on Monday, Lindsay? Do Bournemouth I? beat Palace yes. 2-1. <laughs> yeah, I'd forgotten all about that. I know Bournemouth are doing well. They're their best ever yeah. start to a Premier League is season, that right? isn't it? Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Well, this was uh, this was uh, heading for a draw before Stanislas uh, put away the penalty. Bournemouth are at Watford this weekend. They're also off to their best ever start uh, to the season. But in other midweek news, did you notice Southampton won in the League Cup against Everton on penalties? I did. Yeah. Okay. I didn't notice that. Did you see Richarlison trying to do a uh, <laughs> being a right Charlison, if you like, uh, trying to do a Pogba penalty run up? Big time yes. Charlison. Big time. <laughs> right. Skyrocketing. Yeah. I'm going for Charles Charlie Charleston. But very nicely done. Uh, th- that ended up a 4 3 win on penalties for Southampton, who goes through to take on Leicester in the next round. And what is the Claude Puel derby? Exciting. 
Anyway, all right, well, let's look at some of the games that are coming up this weekend. Saints, speaking of them, they're up against Chelsea. This was a, a blistering game last year, Pat. Do you re- recall? Chelsea were 2-0 down, and then they scored three in eight minutes. Yeah, um, I was actually at that one. Um, oh, yeah. But it's a different Chelsea. It's a different style. Um, and that's, you, you mentioned it, sorry, just now. I don't think I've ever seen a change in a system and a style in, a, in such a positive way, in such a successful way, so quickly in my life. And what, why, why do you think? Why do you think he's been able to do that? I mean, Conte was clearly working on this in the first two days of preseason that he took. <laughs> <laughs> but that makes it all the more remarkable. Yeah. Uh, is that, that how late Maurizio Sarri uh, arrived? How late they did their transfer business? How Courtois, for example, that situation could have been really complicated and problematic. And they've taken to it so quickly um, and been much more competitive than I thought they would because, Mm. I mean, he himself has played for time, has always said, look, traditionally my teams take maybe six, seven games to to, to figure out my system, absorb all my ideas and get going. And instead, again, like in those two games against Liverpool, I was much more so impressed by by how well they were able to do in it. He has brought in the main cog in Mm. the wheel which has kind of helped him get it quicker. Yeah. And it has been extraordinary. And some of the, 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 the figures for Jorginho have been unbelievable. You talk at the passes made. And I'd spotted something after the fourth game. You go on the stats of the most passes made by any player in the Premier League. Top eight, five of them play for Chelsea. Hmm. Could you imagine saying that last season? It's unthinkable wow. yeah. that that was his. And Jorginho's so far ahead of the rest of them. Now, teams will try a, a different methodology to try, try and beat it. That's exactly what happens. Mm. It's Premier League. People aren't stupid. Liverpool tried to do it. It was a clever little move. For what West Ham did it, of course, successively. Yeah, and you, there will be ways. That's oh. what Sari's talking about. People will figure out that initial thing. Now you have to do the second thing, which is to be able to play around that mm. and play around that in specific ways. And I managed to see against Liverpool what Plan B is, mm. and it's brilliant. What is Plan B then? Pat? Uh, he said it would kill me if I told anyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, um, no, it's it's a it's quite a simple thing. You have to then drag players towards uh, Jorginho, and he drags maybe two plays it off quickly. Then you play in that space that right. is left in behind there, vacuum. and it's brilliant. And they scored. If you go and watch the goal that Chelsea scored against Liverpool, it's, it does exactly that. Right. So it makes a very, very impressive. So in simple terms, they've been a joy to watch, maybe more than you know they have been for decades. And right. They'll run riot against Southampton. I mean, having having watched them last weekend, I think there's so many mistakes liable in that defence. Hoot has just got a few in him, without even touching on Vestergaard and others. So I think they're they're going to run riot against Southampton. That could be quite a big scoreline. You've spent much of your season watching Wolves. You've yes. seen every single game, Lindsay. Every single home game. Oh, yeah. every single home game. They're mm. away at Palace. Are you going to go to that anyway? I am. Oh. I'm at that as well. But that's my first away trip with them. Um, they've been they've been a joy to watch. I think a lot of people talk about them as being the most impressive, newly promoted team that they've seen in the Premier League. I'd concur with that, but I do have rose-tinted spectacles. So I felt that against Southampton... It wasn't a brilliant performance, but the fact that they won 2-0 and the substitutes made such a difference. Um, everyone says that's the, that's the litmus paper, isn't it? That's the, the test as to whether a team's going to do well if they win when they're not playing as well. Um, I thought against Manchester City, from what I saw away at Old Trafford, there are real sparks in that team. And it, to me, screams top 10. Um, and Everton on a very rainy night on the opening uh, weekend of the Premier League, uh, I think that they showed that from the off 
they were ready. This consistency that I mentioned earlier from Nuno picking the same team. I mean, mm. I'm still surprised that Traore hasn't had a start yet. Um, but I think he's making such an impact coming on as a substitute that he'll probably persist with that. Um, and now they've got Cavalero back, who, who first touch. First shot, first goal in the Premier League. That's pretty great going for him. So his confidence is going to be uh, really high. And I think against Crystal Palace, you know, I, that's one of the grounds that I love going to because there's such an atmosphere, isn't there, at Sellers Park? Um, so I think from that point of view, it will be a, a little bit more of a test um, for Wolves. But I think when Zaha's at it, right. Palace are very difficult to beat. And also, I think there are... There's a lot hanging on Bolly in our defence. When he plays well, mm. the defence tend to keep a clean sheet. And we, we've only actually conceded two goals since that game against Everton. But I do feel like there's going to be more attack in this match, especially with Zahar playing. Right. Can the team from Crystal Palace pop open the Bolly? That's the, <laughs> and, you know, and so on and so forth. Your old side, Pat, Everton at the King Power, having got their first win in five matches last weekend, at the King Power, they're going to be taking on Leicester. Andy Williams says, what are Pat's thoughts on Everton's chances this season? I can't work out, says Andy, but probably not in that voice, whether they are on the verge of being quite good or far too leaky to get above mid-table. He makes a good point about the leakiness. I don't think there's anything problem, anything problematic about uh, the front third uh, finally figured it out and how long did it take them to figure out that you have to play Gilfie Sigurdsson as a 10 and you have to play it around him um, they were playing him in the left wing most of the time last season ok so they had about 6 number 10s but come on it was so obvious uh, so he scored a couple last week made one missed a penalty everything um, but it looks balanced now where do you stand on Marco Silva? I, I think the team looks quite good and yeah. I think the, it takes a little while to build it so I'm perfectly happy with the job that he's doing just now uh, I think it's and Rich Allison's a, you know, he can play you know and it's quite simply I think there will be enough chances created it's just whether they have got someone who's going to take them Tosin who knows so I, th- I think they're, they're good enough to be a top 10 going forward and it's whether they can get that back line steady enough because you know some of the players the, the, the entire back line kind of aged at the same time and it's tough to get that sorted out and that's not that's not clear yet so good message in there mm. I like that OK uh, Fulham taking on uh, Arsenal Sunday in the early game 12 o'clock that kicks off should be fun to watch no <laughs> Fulham against Arsenal yeah. Arsenal five wins in a row now well, Arsenal have looked pretty handy, haven't they? I, Ooh, I just remember they're going to be coming back from uh, far away Carabag. Yeah, yes, I was, that's what I was just about to say. I'm but sorry, Lindsay. sorry, but yeah, I was just going to say that they've got this huge journey. I think mm. I think we mapped out the miles on Ooh. Premier League news the other day. How far? Um, I, you know, I can't remember how many thousands hundreds. and thousands of miles. Yes, it's a long way. Yeah, I mean Carabag. It looks Pretenders, like a nice they enough did place. Five thousand but... miles, didn't they? And of course, the Proclaimers only five hundred. Yeah. Mm. Arsenal going further than either of those outfits and the players are talking about the miles and when the players are talking about the miles you think "Mm, that might have a knock-on effect for the next match yeah very true do you know who won't be uh, you know jet lag from that Mkhitaryan didn't go because of security fears he's Armenian yeah boom Uh, Fulham have conceded 16 goals in 8 games could be quite an entertaining match Spurs are taking on Cardiff with Udin Kokoms I'll be there, yeah. Good game for Spurs to bounce back with. That, yeah, it's, huh? it's all about timing sometimes in football. My team stinks. <laughs> I wish I was there, I think, for Barcelona. But I'm there a couple of days too late to go and see the Cardiff game. Right. Um, 
to be fair, Cardiff are they're struggling, and we always thought they were going to struggle. And nothing that I've I've seen has changed my mind in that. And it's it's nothing wrong with the effort, nothing wrong with the organisation structure. They're just player for player not good enough for this level. And if Spurs are up for it at all, they should win that game. Okay, mm. there is a lack of quality there, isn't there, in the mm. Cardiff team? Uh, also, this weekend, Burnley taking on Huddersfield. Had back-to-back wins, the Clarets, six goals scored. They might just extend that against a Terrier side who are bottom of the table and cannot score. This was really exciting last year, if you remember. Back-to-back nil-nils. Oh, it? If it's a third nil-nil, this will be the first time since a Premier League fixture has had three such results. Really? Since 92-94 when Arsenal and QPR played out the uh, the Three strength. consecutive goalless draws. Yeah. And the form that Joe Hart's in could well be. Mm. Interesting point. Kicking off the weekend on Friday night and thus clashing rather ill-advisedly with both our live show in Manchester and the start of that model railway thing on Channel 5 (laughs) at 8 o'clock is uh, Brighton against West Ham, a West Ham team who are kind of the the inverse of Man United. In the last four games, they they just don't lose anymore. They're looking more and more impressive with with every performance. 11 goals scored in the past two games. Brighton haven't won since they beat Man United back in August. What's going to happen here? I'd say a West Ham win, actually, I think, um, at the Amex, because I think they'll be buoyed from the re- result against Manchester United. I think Arnautovic is always a threat. I think the midfield is looking much better for West Ham. Anderson looking good. Noble, I thought, was very good in the in the performance against Manchester United. Mm. So I think if there's another performance like that, um, I think, I think they'll beat Brighton. We work in the same place sometimes. Mm. Lindsay and I, and there's a guy in there who's a fanatical West Ham fan. And the oddest thing is, after the four defeats, he was panic-stricken. And I said, do not worry, you will be top 10. Easy. You're an extraordinarily good side. Top 10 easy? Yeah, easy. Really comfortable with that. That's a really good team, West Ham. Take nothing of what... And by the way, a very good manager as well. They had that bad start. It was really, really odd. It was really strange. But you bring the Yamalenkos in, you've got an out of fish. The whole forward lane is brilliant. I mean, really quite brilliant. So no problems at all there. Don't worry about them. Okay, bad news in store perhaps for Brighton, who will have Pascal Gross uh, Gross out with an ankle injury. They've never lost back-to-back games at the Amex. Is that right? Of uh, Brighton since they've since they've come up, so okay. I wouldn't write them off too much. I'm, the I'm last... not them off. I'm talking about top ten, long term. Sure, you'll be fine sure. over the season. And no uh, they did beat West Ham on a Friday night last season as well. Yeah, they like being under the Friday night lights. The secret Friday night lights. Yeah. Mm. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Damn. Listeners, we keep telling you there's more to life than football, especially when it comes to podcasts, so allow us to point you in the direction of the excellent new true crime podcast called Dead Man Talking. It's about the death row confessions of railroad killer Angel Resendez, who crisscrossed the US by freight train in the 80s and 90s, choosing his victims at random before he was executed by the state of Texas in 2006. Before his death, Resendez spoke to journalist Alex Hannaford and claimed on tape to have killed as many as 40 people. Each episode of this series takes a confession by Resendez and leads Alex on an investigation to find out the truth. Was the railroad killer lying in order to slow down his journey to the execution chamber, or was he even more sinister than anyone could have imagined? The podcast features interviews with Resendez's only surviving victim, the psychiatrist who knew him best, attorneys who worked on the case, and two inmates currently serving life sentences for crimes the railroad killer claimed he committed. Head to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app and search for Dead Man Talking now. Beyond the Premier League weekend, uh, Pat, for example, you're a cultured man. Have you seen The Matrix? 
Yeah, a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Right, okay, good. A few. Lindsay? Yes, a long That's time good. ago. Pat as well. is wearing black and has a leather jacket. Yes. So, I mean, he's very much on Matrix trend. <laughs> and there. as you speak to me, I just go. <laughs> Nice. We, I mean, you probably did, but it was too picture, fast for us to see. Yes. You're in that. <laughs> yeah. I was back before you. Yeah. The shoulder there. Yeah. So, um, and you're reading eight books simultaneously at the moment in yeah. proper neo neo style. Uh, yeah, I've sat down, um, I'm in a panel for the music book of the year. Oh yeah, and it's great. And I've just started. Um, Actually, I'm not supposed to tell anything about. Oh, can you not lead, reveal? But lead singer of Suede has released a book, and by the way, it's quite good. Is it? Okay. <laughs> so, but you can't reveal the other books on the shortlist. Um, it's. I don't really know, so I'm not going to because okay. I've right. not been told whether I can or can't. Um, yeah. And it's it's having a terrible effect on me because I want to go and see some movies and. Uh, you think, should I, am I allowed to go and see a movie? I just need to bury my head in a book again. Right. To Strangest what? interview I've ever done in my life was with Grace Jones. Okay. Ah. Weirdest, weirdest conversation. It was at Q Awards and I asked three questions and I don't think she answered one of them. Right. You what were the three questions, Lizzie? Um, I mean, off the top of my head, there would have been one about her album at the time right. and then she started talking about hats. Yes. Which was interesting. She's big in the hats. Yeah, She's she liked talking about hats. Um... It was surreal, very surreal. You kind of want it to be. I'd be disappointed uh, yeah. if she came out and talked about album sales and stuff. Yeah, I She's... mean, she could have woven it in in a, in a cleaner fashion, I think. I, I don't think she does that. No. I think she she does Grace Jones and you you you, you And you have to keep up it. and yeah. then you just sort of wondering where she's going to go next. Mm. By the way, you're plugging everything all over the place here. I'm DJing yeah. two weeks' time down in Shackerwell Arms. Where, where are you DJing? Uh, down at Shackerwell Arms, Dalston. Dalston, Shackerwell Arms. Yeah, and what 20th, date is that? The uh, 20th of this month. Is it I've a goth or indie or I've what? Not, well, it will be kind of indie-ish kind of stuff. But what it's will be wild. the first cut you drop? Yeah. I don't know, but every they, they kind of gang like Bell and Sebastian, so that's fine. But they'll, 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 oh, yeah, I like but it'll Bell be, and you know, Depeche it mode? might be Bowie. Don't you start on Depeche Mode? You, you're vile. You, 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 you never, a, you just won't let it lie. Row, you? Heated row in Dublin. Can you play some Ladyhawk? I like Ladyhawk. Uh, I could play Lady Tron. Anyway, listeners, Lady while Tron, they're all yeah. discussing that kind of thing, let me mention that poor old Steve Bruce mm. has been shown the door. By Aston Villa, a few hours after, as you probably saw, a fan threw a cabbage towards him, at Pure him. Pure coincidence. Ah. But right now, yeah. in my slow cooker at home, I'm getting ready for a cabbage lasagna. That's an interesting angle Ooh, on yeah. this story, Lindsay. Thanks <laughs> yeah. for that. OK, this basically, the cabbage incident happened before Villa's clash with bottom of the table, Preston North End. Villa, unperturbed by the flying groceries, established a 2-0 lead... Oh, but then got they got pegged back, and then uh, they Preston went three two ahead, and Yannick Balassi made it three three in the first minute to stop at time. But then Glenn Whelan missed a penalty in the ninety seventh minute and ended a draw. Uh, he's really let us down, says producer Ben. Was probably Steve Bruce's oh, reaction you see because of the cabbage. I think this is great news. It's great for Villa fans who wanted him out. It's great for Steve Bruce because he can get back to his writing career, which was so prolific. At Striker, a certain time. exactly. Striker. I remember yeah. that one. Anyway, well, police, are, uh, <laughs> sweet. police have uh, launched an investigation, handily enough. Perhaps he can help them with their inquiries. Villa, he leaves them in 12th place, but as a result, it's available to take over at Man United if anybody <laughs> wants to. Do you know, do you know, I, I'm, I feel quite sorry for Steve Preston yeah. in this situation. Um, he's not that far off the playoff places, which is kind of what they would be aiming for just now. There have been some games that have been very good. Had they won that game and that penalty had been scored, mm. they'd been in a pretty good position. 
and so it strikes me as I think they wanted rid of him. They yeah. want their own guy in. They've just been waiting for the opportunity and they thought, well, we'll jump in now and get rid of him now. Speaking I, of striking you, Pat, has anything ever been thrown in your direction on a football field? Yeah, lots, lots of things. They used to throw the celery, didn't they, back in the celery day? Celery was big at Chelsea. What was the re- celery? Yeah. You really do not want me to tell you the answer okay. to that. Okay. It's, it a, it's, a, it's, a, so, it's a very, very, very okay, rude well, song. Okay. West Ham used to be always very good, the old ground. They would always throw things. But personally, the, the best thing to throw was always abuse, you know? And I, I kind of liked it. My favourite one was they always su- seemed to suggest I was gay. That was the big thing. Oh, really? Yeah. And to which it d- didn't offend me in the slightest. Uh-huh. I happened not to be, but it just... And uh, I don't know why. It always seemed to annoy them when I turned around and blew them a kiss. Right. Yeah. So what did they... <laughs> that was the right thing to do. Did they throw anything to try and, you yeah, know, infer always, your... Yeah, just coins, uh, the odd... Apple, sometimes, you know, just that you didn't really care. You Did know. you not? Yeah. All right. It's it. You almost, you kind of took it as kind of, no, the worst thing, can I tell you, the very worst thing that's yep. ever been thrown in me. Uh, Aztec Stadium, 100,000 people. And we've just beaten uh, Mexico. It was under 21 in championship, world championships. We've just been... The there were 100,000 people there? Yeah, and they rioted because we beat them, right? So we are running off and trying to get off. And you have to be a certain age to get this, but... Many years ago, they used to have these five-gallon bottles. They were kind of greenish colour, and the, the glass was about an inch thick all the way around. They were throwing these things from the top row Damn. of the stands, and they were exploding like bombs around us as we were trying to run off down these kind of tunnels. And there was only one... There was two ways of doing it. You could either run off yourself and look and try and dodge these, yeah. basically, bombs, because if they hit you, they'd kill you. Or else you just get your head down and run and took your chances I did the dodging as I would mm. Paul McStay in front of me put the head down and I promise you he has no idea but he was millimetres away from dying that day because one missed him by saying Pat, so that was the biggest extraordinary story what was it like even at the start of that game running out in front of a, how old were you at the time? Uh, I was 19 at the time yeah. running out in front of 100,000 people how do you I mean I know people say once you cross the line you focus on your game but how can you even begin to focus on no, it's a good, no, it's a, it's a good question because it had a massive effect on me I've, I've Never been nervous, right? So I never got nervous. So I wouldn't worry about things. But if you can play that at 19 and not be affected by that sort of mayhem, nothing ever gets you. And it was a great thing to actually go through. A, the riot, B, the noise, the height, altitude, heat, you name it, everything. Um, and actually sort of win the game. And I think they took most of us out in ambulances. They hid us in ambulances and got us out. It was mental. Wow. But, you know, if you deal with that and then... You go down to West Ham or even Millwall, you think, yeah, so what? Right. That was Die Hard. That was the plan of Hans Gruber and Die Hard. He was going to get them out in ambulances. Mm. Um, just saying. So now I had a little list here of um, of other objects, you know, famous things that have been thrown. But I, th- I think you might have just, you know, beaten them. <laughs> I mean, pig's head, Certainly in the danger stakes, I think. You know, I'd rather have a cabbage. The burning scooter at San Siro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Inter at- against Atalanta. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, that was a, from the good old days, mm. the bad old days. Um, yeah, that was. Surely, what... sure a few chickens as well have been thrown on. Uh, I would uh, hope uh, so. To use one of your phrases, there was cocks throwing on uh, right. at the French games, wasn't there? They used to do that quite a lot. Did they? Mm. Yeah. And carrots as well, I think. Uh, Hull threw tennis balls. Charlton. Oh yeah. Charlton fans have thrown all sorts of stuff <sighs> in their ongoing protests against their Belgian. Can, can I overlords? see my fa- I've just remembered my favourite one. Oh. My absolute favourite one. Okay. I, I don't know why I've forgotten this. And it's not because I supported the team or anything. It's just it was very, very funny. There was one year where Celtic qualified for Europe. 
and Rangers didn't. But it's kind of more common over, over the years. But in those days, it was very uncommon. And it was the first game of the season, Celtic against Rangers. So the Celtic fans were sitting there applauding the team. As the referee blew the whistle to start the game, everyone them produced, blew up things like rubber rings or you know, lilos and just threw them all together. Oh. And there were about 10,000 of these things just arrived in the park. <laughs> it was it was the funniest. They had to stop the game and restart it again. Um, it remember, was funny. It was do you remember that funny. Sunderland beach ball? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the yeah. Sunderland beach ball. Yeah, the beach ball's in that, that as well, yeah. And yeah. you've had cats run on the pitch and things. But, oh, yeah. I mean, Pat's had both angles there, like the two extremes of the pendulum. He's had like a dangerous, huge glass thickened was was bottles. it a barrel it was, no, or it was bo- a bottle it was bottles it was bottles you used to get cider and there was a wee hook round and you drink them like you know i wish there was a camera in here and then some inflatables <laughs> and then inflatables it's <laughs> madness Right. By the way, I don't think the yeah. cat was thrown on the pitch. No? I think the cat just ran on the pitch. Oh, I see. Okay. Before anyone from the petter rings in. Yeah. Right, uh, absolutely. Weirdest thing ever thrown onto a football field, of course, Ali Dye at uh, <laughs> Southampton, but that's another story. And speaking of Scotland, Pat, uh, you've seen the SPL table, haven't you? I, I don't know if I believe it yet. Yeah. I really, I'm not convinced I believe it. Now, as a, as a Hibernian fan myself, it's a joy for a kick-off because they are sitting there second place at the moment. Yeah. Um, Albeit with hearts in first. I was probably not going to mention that. Right. <laughs> okay. Huge game this Sunday uh, as Rangers uh, take on hearts. Yeah. And it's me Rangers lost last week against Livingston, which is unthinkable because Stephen Gerrard has had the most brilliant of starts. Has he? I, 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 hands up, humble pie. I did not think it would go as well for him. And it's very, very few losses. And he's done well in Europe as well. Villarreal. Oh, Mm. I mean, really special. Getting through a lot of qualifiers. And the Rangers have struggled to do that in the past as well. But all this is all secondary to Celtic. Mm. What on earth is going on? It was so far ahead. I've got a theory. Can I I throw a a theory? I've always got one, haven't I? Maybe rubbish, but... (laughs) I actually just think suddenly the standard of coaches at the top teams in, in Scotland is amazing. Um, so Brendan's a very good coach, right? We know that. He's quite capable. Stevie Clark is a Premier League standard top quality coach. He's at Kilmarnock. They are flying in the league just now. Neil Lennon, who's at Hibs, that, he's, he's a guy who's been you know, with Celtic and been in European. Yeah. So that, he's a top, top quality coach. And you start looking at it thinking, and Derek McInnes was at Aberdeen now. They, they've ran Celtic as close as anyone else year on year on year. And you just keep on looking around. Craig Levine was the Scotland manager and was, pre- well, a lot of people don't like him, but I thought he was a very good coach. So suddenly we've got, and can I thank the entire English nation <laughs> for this? Because you used to nick all our good coaches. You're leaving us alone now, so we're keeping them to ourselves. And maybe that as much as anything else is why. All Just right. focus on the players. <laughs> yeah, well, you had to put a downer on it for me, didn't <laughs> right. you? Europa League action, of course, taking place tonight, featuring both Celtic and Rangers. Celtic are away at Salzburg, while Rangers will be hosting Rapid Vienna. Um, now, on Europe, speaking of that kind of thing, the weekend, Pat, I know you're doing PSG Lyon, mm-hmm. uh, which should be fun. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. I'm just interested to see what... PSG do I was so excited by particularly Mbappe but you know the whole thing and that Liverpool game where they didn't turn up at Liverpool <laughs> that was very very upsetting because it was lack of effort and there's nothing anything else you, I'll forgive you well I won't forgive you diving but see the lack of effort from you know 
Cavani to some degree, right. which is upsetting because he usually puts it in. But Neymar was a great disgrace that night and Mbappe was a disgrace that night. All right, PSG currently miles clear, literally miles clear in league. Uh, but Leon looking like quite a tasty side this year. So that could be an interesting yeah. game in Italy. What's going on in Italy this weekend? It's got Lazio, I mean, Lazio Fiorentina is quite a yeah. good game. Yeah, I would, uh, I would check that out. Um, Fiorentina, youngest side in Europe's top five leagues. With some really talented players. A lot of people excited about their forward line with Federico Chiesa, Piazza and, and Cholito Simeone. Mm. And Lazio were the top scorers um, last year in, in Serie A. Just tied down their much-hyped Wunderkind, uh, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, to a new contract. Um, so, yeah, they're looking to bounce back from the derby. Uh, I'd say both of these teams looking to uh, to get into Europe again. Thursday night, Lazio will be playing in Europe, um, so that might uh, take something out of them. But uh, Fiorentina definitely one of the sides to keep an eye on this year. Okay, and you're Milan Olympiacos, as you were uh, mm. mentioning, you're previewing. Where, where's that for then, Lindsay? I'm I'm doing a show um, for Dugout, which actually oh. they've teamed up with Kia Motors, so it's a, a branded show, but just a ten minute preview show every single match week. And uh, next up, we're going to Marseille um, because they're cool. taking on Lazio, so that brings yeah. brings that one very full nice. Circle. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at different players from around Europe as well, we we've got a fantasy football section, which I know is your bag. Um, and Elif Elmas was was a player that was really interesting to us from Fenerbahce in week one, so we're trying trying to see is our tip going to do any good sorry that name again Elif Elmas very good player so whether he scores the points that we've predicted I don't know Aubameyang scored two week one so that was another tip that we gave Mm. Um, Higuain easy to tip isn't it it's helping me because I've always kept across Champions League but Europa League I would say that I haven't been as ingratiated in so it's good for me to get to know some of the other teams across Europe FC Copenhagen and different people I hear you and when, when can we next hear a uh, Offside Rule podcast? So the one that's out at the moment is with Jermaine Defoe. We'll have another one out on the 1st of November. Right. Guest to be confirmed. I see. But yeah, they're, they're lining up for across the season. We, we've also got, because we've got this evergreen content now, so a lot of people have gone back and listened to our one with Joe Hart because he's doing so well. Right. Um, he, that was the one where he was saying to us that his England career was in tatters. So to go back and hear him talking about Pep Guardiola and, and being in a different part of his career where he's obviously feeling a lot more positive now. Um, and I, I urge people as well to go back and listen to our Sven Joran Eriksson one where we went to his house wow. in the north of Sweden. Really? Um, Hayley and I t- took a hire car <laughs> um, from Oslo and drove to the north of Sweden where I drove accidentally for a few miles down a ski track. Did you? Rather than a road. Was it right. a black run? That would have been bad. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty. It was pretty dark at, mo- at moments. And I bet the chat was as well, wasn't it? With Sven, as a man who's <laughs> seen some Hayley. things. Yeah. No, uh, Sven, Sven's seen a lot, and yeah. he was saying that he's going <laughs> to buy a football club. Sven's biography, one of the greats. Is it? I mean, there's just so many amazing stories in that. It's fantastic. Breaking, breaking the news to was it Nancy Delolio's husband <laughs> about their their relationship. Just, uh, you know, driving around Rome. Yeah. It's, it's superb. He was very really reasonable, good. wasn't he, Mr. Delolio? Yeah. 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 He kind of, because he was a Lazio fan, so he didn't want mm. to cause any, any, any r- you know, ructions. <laughs> so he went, okay, manager of my favourite football team, have my wife. That's okay. Just don't, you know, cause any problems with my team. Uh, possibly summarising a little bit unfairly. He, he, though, he tells all these stories. It's like, yeah, I was, you know, um, up and coming manager and I was, I, was, I, was, I was approached by these two guys that just bought a football club and... 
um, I didn't know who they are, but they, they really liked me and they thought I was a great manager. And, um, and uh, yeah, that was Silvio Berlusconi and all this sort of thing. And then there are other things like, uh, yeah, then when I left Roma uh, the first time around, there was this kid in the, in the youth team and I said, that guy's one to watch. You know, he's going to be special. And uh, I was right. It was Francesco Totti. Amazing. Great <laughs> a, loads of stories like that are amazing. We should do a, we should do a Golazzo. A Sven special. A Sven special. Yeah. All right. Go well, to his house. I recommend it. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Mm. Well, I did years ago when he was at Sam. It was very nice. Anyway, that's that then, uh, almost. Before we go, let's get the odds on the weekend's action. And producer Ben has been checking in with Paddy Power. Thanks, Jim, but I've got Lee Price on the line for the highlight of the show. Lee, let's talk about Liverpool and Man City. It's the big game this weekend. Liverpool coming into this on a bit of a wobble. No wins in three. City weren't too convincing in Europe, but at least they won. Klopp's got a better record against Pep than anyone else in football ever, ever. What's going to happen here? I've no idea is the honest answer, but we make Liverpool the favourites to win this by a hair's breadth. So they're 6-4 to four compared to City's 13-8. to eight. That's about as close as you can get. Um, and as for Liverpool's form recently, how about them coming from behind? That's 9-1 to one that they concede first but still win. That sounds pretty plausible to me. Um, something else that sounds plausible as well is Newcastle getting their first win of the season and, uh-oh, they're at Man U, which means Mu versus Benitez. Yeah, I've been reluctant to tip up United for the last few weeks for obvious reasons, but surely there's any opponent you'd fancy them against, it's Newcastle. Uh, our traders seem to agree they're 2-5 to five that United get the win and Newcastle are a lengthy 7-1, to one, which is a good price when you consider how terrible their hosts have been recently. We'll come back to Mu in a moment. First of all, let's, uh, let's talk about Fulham versus Arsenal. Fulham Fulham um, haven't really lived up to expectations so far this season and they're conceding about two goals every game. Uh, this might be a really good time to face Arsenal though who have, uh, will have had a long journey back from Azerbaijan. Yeah, and Arsenal have been getting away with it a bit recently, I think. Um, we go 7-2 to two that Fulham beat Arsenal at home, which I don't think will be that huge of a shock. Arsenal remain the favourites, of course. They're 4-7. to seven, And the draw, which is interesting to me, is 10-3. to three. And back to Jose Mourinho then. Uh, Steve Bruce got the sack from Aston Villa, so presumably he's on the shortlist for the uh, for the Man U job. Um, tell us about both of those vacancies, one of course real and the Man U one, probably coming up anytime soon. Yeah, uh, the United job, you can get a, a call 60-1 to 1 that Steve Bruce is the next permanent Man United manager, perhaps until the end of the season. Um, Sir Alex Ferguson, by the way, is 100-1 to 1 if you want to go really mad. Uh, as for the filler job, Dean Smith of Brentford's been getting all the bets. That's 2-1. to one. But this morning, we've just slashed a price on a certain Big Sam become the next filler boss. He's now into 7-1 to one from 20-1. to one, uh, And that would be a mixed reception he gets, I expect. You can find out those odds and more at paddypower.com. All prices are accurate at the time of recording. 18 plus only, begambleaware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. We return on Monday with the Totally Football Show that features Daniel Story, Michael Cox and Sasha Gurionov. Hope you have a great weekend. In the meantime, watching football, model railways, that kind I'm of thing. I'm going to you two to the model railway show. No, it's, you know, it's not like that. <laughs> Lindsay. I'm going to go and see three movies tomorrow. I'm stuck what, in which London. Which ones? Are you? Which ones? Uh, I've nothing to say. I'm going to go see Cold War again. Uh-huh. Oh, have you seen it already? Yeah, I've seen it already. And you want to see it again? Yes. It's a good it's film, that, apparently. It's fantastic. Okay. Um, if you're into that type of thing. Okay. What were the other two then? I've not decided yet. Um, I just go down the curves and down the road there. And Surely A Star Is Born has got to be on your list. Yes, it actually is. Yeah. You, I, the, raised eyebrows, I was expecting. When I, it would appear Lady Gaga looks as if she can act. Wow. Bradley Cooper can sing. Wow. Yeah. There's a one called The Wife just now. 
There is yeah, one that's the one that I'm vaguely interested in because uh, Glenn Close. Close is supposedly very good in that. So, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I'm going to have a um, three-movie day tomorrow. I'm addicted to the box sets at the moment rather than going down the film route. Have you seen Killing Eve yet? Not yet. Oh, no. Very good. All recorded right. and ready very to watch. Good. There you go. All right, well, plenty for us to be getting on with, and no doubt you as well, listener. We'll leave you there. Have a great one. See you Monday. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. And make sure you check out our other football podcasts, the revamped Totally Football League show with Caroline Barker and the brand new Totally Scottish Football Show. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.